I love that part in that song where Andy just kind of steps back and, and you guys just take the song. Uh, and you're just lifting up God's name and talking about how great he is. And it's like there's just something powerful in a moment like that when we just lift up the name of God and really recognize who he is. And, and uh, so I, I just want to thank you for being a worshiping church. I, I've been kind of in a season of gratitude for this church. I'm, I'm really thankful that you um, put your confidence enough in us enough to bring your friends here and your family members and your loved ones. And I, I want to thank you for the trust that you place in us when you put your guard down and you listen to the text of Scripture and you do the hard thing uh, out there on Monday um, trying to be a better follower of Christ than you were on Sunday. And so thank you for being a church that's striving to be um, a more fully devoted family uh, and follower uh, of Jesus Christ. So that's, that's just uh, cool to be able to be able to be a part of that, to be able to kind of share in leadership of that. So thank you, TC3, for being awesome. Now, we've been in this series called Rock Solid. Has, have you enjoyed the series or just me? Okay. <laughs> All right. Just, thank you. Um, I, I think it's been really good and, and practical, and today we're going to talk about something that, that I, you know, in, in all transparency, I struggled with for, for a very long time. And if you're a driven temperament, you probably struggle with this as, this as well. And what we're going to be talking about today is contentment. It talks about in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse number 6, Paul is talking to Timothy, who's getting ready to really take on his first pastoral assignment in a major, major church, and, and Paul is saying to Timothy, he's saying, listen, Timothy, godliness with contentment is great gain. And if you think about culture today, um, those two attributes, godliness and contentment, are sorely lacking. When people have godliness and when they have contentment, it's noticeable. They stand out uh, in a crowd. And, and I was kind of reminded of, of this on Monday, and it was just kind of weird because sometimes God will kind of like reveal himself to me in, in odd times, different ways, and um, I, was, I was getting ready to get in my truck to head to work on Monday morning, and I just noticed how spectacular the clouds looked. Um, being on the East Coast, we have, we have these clouds that sometimes will form, and they're just backlit by the sun. And they're just electric looking. They're, they're so spectacular that, you know, a, a photograph wouldn't do it justice. An artist's painting can't capture it. it. I was just awestruck by the skies. And then I drove over the, the, the Palm City Bridge and it just kind of came out even more. And then got to the, to the Roosevelt Bridge and I'm looking at boaters heading out for a, a day on the water and the seas were calm. And I looked at people who were living there in the marina just kind of off of the Roosevelt Bridge down there, and I'm thinking, man, those guys have a great life. <laughs> but truthfully, life isn't always like that, is it? We're not always reminded of how big God is and why we live where, where we live. Sometimes the, the, the clouds are stormy. Sometimes when you're driving over those bridges, right, the wind is blowing. And sometimes traffic doesn't part for you like it did for me on Monday. Sometimes you're stuck behind that guy driving 12 miles an hour in the fast lane with his left hand blinker on, and he's setting you up for about four school buses and two dump trucks as you try to make your way in a hurry 
to wherever you're going. Sometimes you ride over the bridge and the wind's blowing and blows your car back and forth and those seas are aggressive. And sometimes you look down on those people who live in that marina and you think, thank God I don't live there. <laughs> right? But it's not always like that. Some days they're just like a gift from God. And other days they're like a gift from the pit of hell. Some days are awesome and some days are difficult to get through. I'm, uh, I'm, this is going to surprise you. So I'm over 50 now. Okay? So I'm in the second quarter, or I'm, I'm at least at halftime, right, in my life. I'm, I'm thinking I'm at least at halftime in my life. And I know that that scares some of you who are older than me. But at halftime, I'm, I'm looking back and I've had some really, really great days, some days of just flat out victory. And I've had days where I was defeated and deflated. But what I can tell you is through all of that, I had this uncanny awareness of the abiding presence of God. It remained consistent. And godliness with contentment carried me through those days that were great, helped me not to become too proud, and it carried me through days where I, it was a struggle to get through. I've gotten phone calls, just like many of you, that no parent wants to get at the wrong time of the morning, not the night. I've woken up in the middle of the night, burdened for my, for my kids, for their safety their well-being. I've been disappointed. I've been disappointed <clears throat> in my perceived ability as a husband, parent, and sometimes pastor. And I've felt the sting of failure and rejection. But I've also known the joy of being a proud dad. I've known the joy of being a great husband, and I've known the joy of being affirmed in my role as a pastor, and I've been loved by you as a church. I've been given nights from God where I slept perfectly well because I knew that God was carrying the burdens that I had in my life. And I've seen success, and I've seen God do things that there is in no way, shape, or form that I could ever do. And what I've learned is that true contentment comes when we're able to trust God with the beautiful and the brutal. I want to encourage you to start trusting God with the beautiful and the brutal, because the quality of the life that you and I live will be determined in how we navigate the storms that are brutal and how we navigate the successes that come in our life. Rick Warren says it this way, he said, you're either going into a storm, you're coming out of a storm, or you're in a storm. That's pretty much life. It's like a series of storms that we face along the way, and what I've come to realize is that godliness with contentment is great gain. It says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, it says, godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and those of you that are 
at the halftime mark in your life, you realize this, you can't take anything with you either, is what Paul is saying to young Timothy. And he said, if we have food and clothing, we will be content with just that. And what he's saying is, don't get distracted. He's saying stuff doesn't matter. Don't get distracted by the quest for amassing, and then you have to maintain stuff that has no value. People spend their entire lives amassing and then maintaining the stuff that they have to come to the end of their life to realize that they have nobody to enjoy it with. Job is such a a great example who gives us a picture of godliness and contentment. His, His life is radically altered in one day. Everything like in his life changes in one day. Many of us have been able to say, my life changed in one, in, in, in one day, you know, for the good or for the bad. And you get the story of, of Job and he's at his brother's house and they're just sharing a meal together. And then all of a sudden this servant of his comes in and he says, listen, your oxen and your donkeys, they've been taken and your servants, all of them were killed that were with the oxen and the donkey except for me. As soon as that servant finishes, another servant comes running in. He's out of breath and he says, listen Job, fire fell from heaven, okay? You think you had a bad day. Fire fell from heaven and it devoured your sheep. And he said, your servants were killed. I'm the only one that survived. Just when that servant gets done talking, right? A third servant makes his way into the house. He's out of breath as well, and he said, listen, three raiding parties came in, and they took all of your camels, and they killed all of your servants but me. So basically what has happened is three servants come in and they say, listen, your wealth has been decimated. Your standing in the community has been decimated. It's gone. And then the fourth servant comes in and talks about what money can't replace. And he said, your sons and your daughters, your seven sons and your three daughters, they were celebrating in a house. And all of a sudden, a wind came like a tornado and it knocked the house down and it killed all of them. Everybody that was in the house, and I'm the only one that survived. How would you respond to that? What would you say? Would you fall on your knees? I've been there in times when people have lost loved ones, surprisingly, and I've seen their responses, and I've seen the responses from believers and unbelievers, and I I can tell you that they're radically different. But this is how Job responds. He said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I depart. He said, the Lord gave and the Lord takes away. And then he said these words, May the name of the Lord be praised. Unbelievable. May the name of the Lord be praised. And then it says these words, which are so profound. Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. Job doesn't point his bony finger up into the heavens and blame God. Job Job doesn't walk away from his faith because God didn't provide him roses and sunshine for his entire life. In all of this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing, and true contentment is when we can trust God with the beautiful in life, the prosperity in life, the blessing in life, 
and with the brutal in life. Contentment comes when we can trust God with the mess and the success. Listen, you all have goals, dreams, and visions for your relationships, for your financial worlds, for your businesses. We all have goals and dreams. Like you, I could be stressed out about them. I have a 10-year goal for the life of TC3. I believe the Lord's placed it on my heart and my life. And what I, what I believe the Lord is wanting is for us, in the next 10 years, I, I believe TC3 can triple in size. I believe that. And I'm not just so concerned about tripling in size for the sake of numbers, but if you look at the demographics, there's 900 homes coming in within three miles of this church. And so I'm really not even concerned about the number of, in regards to size tripling, I'm concerned about the number of baptisms tripling. That's the indicator because here at this place, we baptize nearly 100 people a year. We'll baptize over 100 people this year, which I think is absolutely incredible. So the math, the math bears out, if we triple in size, we should be seeing over 300. And I had a lot of people come out today going, listen, that number of baptisms, 300 a year is short, it's small. I love that. I love that that's inside of you. I believe in the next 10 years, God's gonna allow us to get that bridge center opened up that we've been talking about, where it's a, a commercial space where nonprofits can locate so people that need resources can come to like a one-stop shop help center, and we as the people of God can volunteer at that location. I believe that that's in the DNA of the vision that God has given us. I believe in the next five years we're gonna see five churches revitalized that are in this community. We're going to be a part of seeing them go from being on a, on a, on a spiral to where they're almost done to where they get re revitalized and get the breath back in their lungs and they're vibrant and they impact the neighborhoods that they're in. I believe in the next 10 years we can become a million dollar a year missions giving church. We're well on our way. I love that goal. And I also believe that the debt that is, you know, on the life of, of uh, TC3 as we've gone through this building program, I believe that God will erase that in the next 10 years. He's, he's, that, he's that faithful. Now, here's the thing. This is where it comes into play with how, how you have goals and visions and dreams for your life as well. I want to see us triple in size. Here's the thing. I don't know how that's going to happen. Like, you probably have a goal in your life. You probably don't know how that's going to happen. I want to see a bridge center established. We don't, we don't have the capital to pull that off. I want to see five churches revitalized. I don't have five churches knocking on my door right now to be revitalized. I want to see us become a million dollar a year missions giving church. That would mean that we'd have to 3x our budget to pull that off, right? And I want to see debt eliminated. There's not like a bunch of people going, hey Gordon, I've just been inspired by the Lord and I want to pay off some debt. Everybody likes to give to buildings, right? We like to build stuff, right? We just don't like to pay it off. Like how many of you wake up on Monday going, hi-ho, hi-ho. I'm going to pay off some debt today. It's going to be awesome, right? Paying off debt, it's just not sexy. It's just not. But I believe that God's going to work that out. I could be stressed out. I could be depressed. I could look at some of these goals and go, there's just no way. Listen. Those are no way goals. 
There's no way I can make that happen. Only God can make a way for that to happen. And in your life, there should be no way goals. That God's the only way that they're going to happen. In the next 10 years, I have goals for my kids. Guess what? My kids are grown adults. They get to do whatever they want, unfortunately. But I'm still believing for them. I've got goals for my retirement. Guess what? The market does what it does, doesn't it? How many of us are feeling the weight of that? Some of us are working extra years. Next 10 years, I've got business ventures I want to pursue, and there's no guarantee they're going to work out. In the next 10 years, there's a mountain that I want to climb. I don't know if my health will be there when I'm ready to climb that mountain. In the next 10 years, there's places that I want to see. I want to stay. I want to, I want to put my rear end in one of them pools where they have the little tiki's out on the water, and they have their own pool. One of the, that's on my list. You, you got a crazy thing on your list. But listen, there's no guarantee of any of that kind of stuff. I could get stressed out trying to get there and do all that kind of stuff. I could be anxious or I could be energized. And what I could tell you is I'm more energized for the next 10 years than I've ever been in my entire life because I've seen the faithfulness of God. When I look in the rearview mirror, I see the faithfulness of God. If you've been a part of this church for a while, You've seen the faithfulness of God. King David, he speaks from experience. He says these words in Psalm 37. I encourage you to read this uh, when you go home. Read Psalms, one, or read Psalms 37. He said, once I was young, now I am old. Yet I have never seen the godly, in the translation that I read, I've never seen the godly abandoned. Another translation says it this way, I've never seen the righteous forsaken. And prior to that, he breaks down all of these situations. He said, he said, don't worry about the wicked or envy those who do wrong. Trust in the Lord, do good. Then you'll live safely in the land and you're going to prosper. He said, take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. He said, commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him and he will help you. Some of us have large and looming things in our life and we need to trust him and he will help us. If we work as hard as we can work, we're going to get what we can get. If we step back and we trust God, we're going to get results that only God can deliver. And I don't know about you, but in my life, I want results that only God can deliver in every single area of my life. Trust Him. He said, be still in the presence of the Lord. Wait patiently for Him to act. Don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. Stop being angry. Some of us are so mad. Like we're looking at, we're looking at our life and we're comparing it to other people and we're, we're so angry. Stop being mad. Turn from your rage. Do not lose your temper. It only leads to harm is what he says. The wicked will be destroyed, but those who trust in the Lord will possess the land. Once I was young, now I'm old. He's speaking from experience. Yet I have never seen the godly abandoned. And if you've seen the faithfulness of God, nothing worries you. There is nothing in the future that worries me. There is nothing in my life right now and in your life that God can't handle. The, the God of creation who spoke the universe into existence, he's still in charge. Paul learned the secret of being content. He said these words in Philippians chapter 4. 
knowing or not knowing if he was going to live or die. He's imprisoned. He doesn't know what tomorrow holds. He's living in the land of uncertainty. And he said these words, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. You think your circumstances are new? You think your circumstances are unique? They're not. Everything that you have faced, everything that I face, somebody in the text of Scripture has faced it as well. I've learned the secret of being content, whatever the circumstances, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. And then he says it again, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, living in plenty or living in want. And ultimately what he's saying is that the secret of being content in any situation is found in understanding really where our strength comes from. It's found in understanding the presence and the power of God. Because he says these words, I can do all this. I can get through the uncertainty of of what tomorrow looks like. I can bear whatever they throw at me. I can do all this through him, he says, who gives me strength. There's that familiar passage of Scripture in Psalms, right? Or Psalm, right? Psalm 23. Starts with, the Lord is my shepherd, then what does it say? I shall not want. One translation says it this way, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. If the Lord is your shepherd, you shall not want. If the Lord is your shepherd, you lack nothing. And then he breaks it down. He's saying, listen, I, I needed I needed guidance, and he put me on the paths of righteousness. And he's going, and I walked through some dark times. I walked through the valley of the shadow of death, and God was there to comfort him and give him strength and provision. Enemies came at him in Psalms 23. And he says, God prepared a table for me in the presence of my enemies. And then he says in Psalm 23, verse number 5, he said, my cup runneth over. In other words, he didn't just have enough, he had more than enough, and as he was experiencing more than enough, that splashes all over the place. When you and I walk through what we walk through, God will give us more than enough, and when God's giving us more than enough, we shine and reflect his glory. People notice it. It's noticeable when the people of God are going through very, very difficult things, and they have a peace and contentment in their heart and their life. It's noticeable, and people envy that because they don't have it. His cup runneth over, a poor person, a rich person. If the Lord is your shepherd, you don't lack anything. But here's the other thing, we can be wealthy. Like we can have all the toys and the bank account can be stacked, but if we suffer from this disease of discontentment, which is so prevalent in our culture today, if we suffer from the disease of contentment, It will never be enough. Whatever it is, whatever you're chasing, it will never, ever be enough. And you will come to the same conclusion as Solomon did in the book of Ecclesiastes, where he said, meaningless, 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 a chasing after the wind. And if you've ever read that book, you felt sorry for Solomon. Our circumstances aren't the source of our complaints. Our circumstances just reveal our heart. When you and I walk through the tough stuff, what comes out of our mouth really reveals what has been in our heart. Israel in the, in the Old Testament, God gave them everything that they needed when he took them out of the land of Egypt. 
They didn't lack food. They didn't lack water. He even took care of their shoes. Their shoes didn't even wear out. I mean, I know for the ladies not be able to change out shoes would be a challenge for you, but like he took care of their shoes. Everybody's wearing the same one, so no competition. I mean, he took care of every need that they had. The source of our discontentment is that we get what we want and what we need confused. Our kids do this all the time. It's a source of discontentment, thinking that our greeds are actually our needs. We want it because culture tells us we want it or we need it. And the secret of being content is being confident that my God will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. That he'll give me exactly what I need for exactly what I'm going through. He will take care of my needs. And so then you ask the question, well, Gordon, what do you do when it's a very real, hard circumstance and situation? It's brutal. Life is coming at you. You feel like you can feel the breath of Satan literally on the back of your neck. Like, how do you respond to that? Paul says when life is challenging in Philippians chapter 4, verse number 8, I'm going to read from the message paraphrase. He said, I'd say, you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things that are true, noble, reputable. Get control of that thought life. Think on things that are authentic, compelling, gracious. Think about the best things, not the worst things. Think about things that are beautiful, not ugly. Think about things that are praiseworthy, not things that you want to curse. And then he says, get practical. Paul's speaking from experience here. He doesn't know if he's going to live or die tomorrow. He said, put into practice what you have learned from me, what you have heard and seen and realized. Do that, and God who makes everything work together will work you into his most excellent harmonies. True contentment is when we can trust God with the beautiful and the brutal at the same time. Naked Job came into the world, knew naked he would depart, and he said the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. May the name of the Lord in all circumstances be praised. And if you're walking through it, his grace is sufficient for you. His power is made perfect in weakness. When you are weak, he is strong. The Spirit, it says in Romans chapter 8, helps us in our weakness. True contentment is when we can trust God with the mess and the success. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. For when you are weak, again, he is strong. For if God is for us, it says in Romans 8, who can be against us? Romans 8 again, we're more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Romans 8, I am convinced, he said, that nothing in all creation can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. So some of us, were processing through some stuff today. And what I want us to do in the next few minutes is just take a minute. You might need to close your eyes and just settle in. And I want you to listen to the words of this song, and I want you to think about how God has been faithful to you in the past. And I want, to, I want you to think about how that faithfulness is going to carry over into your life today. As you were thinking about the faithfulness of God, that same faithfulness that was there for you back then 
is here for you today. So we're going to end church a little bit differently today. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna have some church, and we're going to be the church in the next few moments. And so if you, in a moment of honesty, would just say, hey, Gordon, I'm, I'm processing some brutally hard and messy circumstances. They're difficult for me to bear up under. Would you, would you just stand up wherever you are? I, I want to make sure we have prayer time for you. If that, you just say, hey, I'm going through some stuff, okay? This is a safe place for you to be able to just kind of bring it to the Lord and, and leave it with the Lord. What I'd like to do is I'd like for those of us that are kind of in a space right now where God has just been active and present in our life, I'd like us to, to put a hand on the shoulder of somebody that's standing up right now. I want to make sure everybody that's standing up has somebody praying with them right now. So if, you're a, if you call this place home, I want you to find somebody who's standing and I want you to put a hand on their shoulder. And if you're thinking somebody should, should stand with that person and nobody is, you're probably the person. So make your way over there. Let's just pray together right now. Dear Lord, right now in this moment, I pray that it would be a holy and sacred moment. I pray that the strength that only you could provide would be given to your kids. I pray the wisdom that only you could provide would be given to your kids. I pray for a peace beyond understanding. I pray for that to be given to your kids. And I pray, Father, that they would know your abiding presence, know that the promises of the text that where it says, you'll never leave us or forsake us, know your abiding presence from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet, that they would walk in a, a newfound strength and a newfound confidence, knowing that you are able. So Father, today we hand over this circumstance to you, our good Father, and we trust you with it. And we pray right now that your kids would be strengthened to be, able to, to be able to represent you well in whatever storm they're in right now. Thank you for being with us in every way along the way. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you for your honesty and sharing that.